Hello, it is Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with another episode. And uh, what a interesting time that we live in here in the United States. I think it's, I think it's one of the most uh, challenging times that I've lived in from, uh, you know, my short life of 33 years. But as I've, um, you know, been living this year, I've just been, um, I know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I think a lot of things that we um, can learn from in the future. And I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that it teaches us a lot about who we are. Uh, it teaches us a lot about, um, you know, what we think is going to happen in the world and how curveballs can happen. And, uh, you know, the pandemic started in March, supposedly, and here we are at the end of the year and it, it's not any more under control now than what it was then. And uh, I think it's interesting, um, I actually had COVID back in June, um, was exposed to somebody who had it, was called by the health department, went into quarantine, ended up developing very mild symptoms. My symptoms were, were not any worse. Uh, basically kind of in the severity of a cold, but I would say a little different, it was different than a cold, but certainly not, not severe. But of course that's, you know, I'm a younger, so, you know, COVID's been one of those things that's been so controversial. There's no question politicians have used it as a, you know, and have, um, I mean, I have to care, say this stuff carefully because it all carries political weight. Um, but I'll just say it this way, that, you know, everybody has opinions. Everybody thinks of coronavirus. As, uh, you know, everybody's formed opinions about it. I think it's safe to say that it's a virus, it makes people sick, it is more severe than uh, um, the typical cold or, or even flu for that matter. It's maybe on par with a really, really deadly, deadly type of flu, but um, a normal fall season type of flu, I would say it's definitely worse than that for older people based on the data. And then the second layer obviously is the mask issue, which has become very political. And uh, it's really been interesting how people have formed their theories and opinions and ideas. And I guess I was challenged by someone on Facebook that we should do an episode where, or a video or something where we talk about how to, how to come to truth, how to arrive to truth. And it actually kind of made me stop and think about how do we arrive at truth? How do we make the conclusions? Because everybody has a, a hermeneutic, if you will. They have a system of, of coming to truth and... I think it's interesting because it is actually a huge driver of agenda. Like, for instance, some people are very, um, you know, very sure that masks are amazing and do amazing things. And then you have other people that are, yeah, doesn't do a whole lot. Then you have people that are hard against it. And this is a political tool, you know, just being just to manipulate people to show how far, pe you know, people will go. And it's just, it's just one of those things that just, I get tired of it. I get tired of the debate, I should say. I'm a, I like data. I like being able to know what, what is happening and what can be done. If I look at, uh, I mean, my personal opinion, just looking at data, it doesn't seem to be that masking is really making a huge impact. Uh, and I'm not saying that I don't wear masks. I do. Um, I do in public spaces and restaurants and stores and all that stuff, just, you know, as they're asking. But just look at the data. I mean, the numbers have gone through the roof. And this is after mask compliance became a thing. 
you know and i just i look at it and i'm just like i just don't see that it's making a difference but it might be i mean the science does indicate you've got a 60 to 75 percent uh risk reduction of transmission or infection if you're wearing a mask but it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it it just means that if you do everything right it's protecting you or protecting others but you have to do it perfectly and unfortunately of course people don't do it perfectly and i don't blame them you're living with these things you're touching your masks you're you know and, and a study can only tell you that if you do everything perfect it may help that's about as much as it can say course people are not doing perfect they're not washing their hands before they're putting their masks on and after they put their masks on they're not not touching their faces of course they're touching their faces and as soon as they do uh the mask situation doesn't help and then you're saturating your masks by breathing into them all day long and now the studies have shown that that you know saturation now makes that mask actually more infectious than if you don't have a mask so you've got to change them out you got to wash them you got to clean them you got to put them on right you got to wear them right and if you do all of that correctly then it offers some protection so and that is what the data shows but in real world situations i just don't think it's really making a difference and i'm just a pragmatic type okay so if it's not making a difference it's not making a difference it doesn't really bother me but it's interesting to me how people hang on to it and you know the only reason that people are so set on this thing is because it is literally the only tool in the arsenal to slow down coronavirus that's it it's the only thing that they have. That's it. So besides that, you got to use therapeutics and you and maybe a vaccine to get herd immunity, and that's it. That, that there's no other way around it. I just think it's interesting. So I also looked at data, read a long article in the CDC that says that 90% of people are wearing masks right now. Estimated between, you know, it just depends, but 82 and 90%. And um, with those high rates of people doing what you're supposed to, we still have a really wild um, number, if you will, in the pandemic. Now, there's a whole other side to this that nobody talks about or doesn't talk about a lot, and that is the whole numbers issue and the PCR testing and the accuracy of that. And um, I listen to very smart people argue and say that PCR testing is not accurate. It can produce false positives. It can produce false negatives. It is not designed or intended to be used in the manner that it is. Now, they've rolled out some new tests that are, I think, better. But it just isn't proven that the tests themselves are actually that valid. So people are now going out getting tested. And if it, the test cannot differentiate between a live virus or a dead virus or a fragment of a virus or even sometimes a similar virus. So that's a little bit under, underwhelming. So all of that combined... You know, we really don't have control of this thing. We just have to survive it. And I think it's common sense uh, to do what you can if you can protect people from getting sick. I mean, I know, you know, not people close to me, but I know people that got very sick. Uh, my uncle got sick, was in the hospital. But I'm saying as far as, you know, dying, there was nobody close to me. But I definitely heard of people have died because of COVID. And... Um, you know, so it's a legitimate sickness. It is making people sick, and it is causing some to die, which is tragic. But I don't believe that throwing away the future of our country is, um, I don't know. There's, there's, we just have to be careful. 
Okay, we have to be careful. We have to be pragmatic. I don't like that governors have been a little heavy-handed. That they haven't included the legislators in their decision-making processes. It's now been, um, you know, the majority of a year, and I believe it's right and proper for the lawmakers in our state governments to also have a say on what is legal and what is not, because mandates. Uh, do have their limitations. I mean, they can help in a short-term situation, but they're not really designed to become long-term law. Uh, mandates in the long term are really little more than a form of martial law. Uh, and I'm not saying this from a conspiratorial standpoint. I'm just saying it's literally one person making the rules and everybody has to go along with it. That's not how it works in America. In America, we have a legislator who, who uh, puts laws and uh, things into place and with that you know you know have a legislative approach to it so i believe that that's a better smarter thing and then and uh, i feel like like our governor i mean I, I he's in a tough spot but i and i don't know every secret meeting he's had or whatever but just from the public eye i would say he's been weak on including the legislator in his plans thus why some have drafted articles of impeachment for him do i think that's proper i don't know that it is i think um, maybe it's just sending a message that can be okay. But all in all, all in all, I think what this has done, I felt the Lord show me at the beginning of the year. Um, and I'm not going to, I mean, I can be wrong. I can hear wrong. I can, you know, those are all possibilities. Uh, I felt him, sh him show me that it was going to be short. Obviously it hasn't, but there again, I don't, you know, it's not like he told me, God said it's going to be short. I, I just sensed it wasn't going to be a long-term situation um, as far as with what they were saying at the beginning of the year, which if you think about it, it isn't even close. I mean, they were projecting millions of deaths and that sort of thing. But there, it has gone on, and I'm not going to say I was right. I'm not going to say I was wrong. I just, that's just what I sensed, and and sometimes we can hear wrong. I don't know. So in my mind, it, you know, whatever. But one of the things I felt he showed me, and this was, this was way at the beginning. So it's not like I had any in, insider knowledge into what is happening, whatever. And I'm not trying to act like I'm a prophet of, or anything like that. This is just something I felt, I felt in my spirit, the Lord was showing me. And, um, and, and the, the clearest part I would say was this, and that is that, this whole thing had to do with shaking the authorities and people that are in authority. And uh, if you look at, and he basically said it's going to shake the leaders and people who are in authority, who think they're in authority, and he was going to shake them uh, because the real power doesn't isn't in their hands, it is in the Lord's hands. And so his ability to shake them, he's going to shake them. And I think if we look at what happened this year and the shaking of authority and the riots and the protests and uh, targeting of people in authority, it seemed to fit exactly with what I felt the Lord was showing me. Now, I'm not a person who has a huge, you know, focus on prophetic things necessarily. I mean, I, you know, if God shows something, I want to know about it, but it's not like I. Every day I'm thinking, oh God, prophetically, what's going to happen? I don't think really that way. I, I don't, and I, you know, I shared this with a couple people, and you know, other people who, who have, um, I guess, some prophetic giftings and stuff, and I left it there. I never made it really. I never made it public. I didn't really tell people. I just said this is what I was sensing, and I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, the part about it being short. Well, it didn't end. 
uh, in the, in the way that I was thinking, but it doesn't mean that I, maybe I just understood it wrong or heard it wrong. I, I, who knows? So, um, why do I say all that? I just say all that because sometimes, you know, it's, it's not like people always know. And, and the authorities, there's no questions that they were shaken. There's no question that the, the fabric of this nation was shaking, that people's true selves came out. This was a perfect, perfect example of allowing the true nature of people to come out. And I think God used it for that reason, to expose people and to, uh, yeah, to show them and to reveal who they really are. And I think um, God does those things. He does that. He tests us because this life is not, you know, this life is a vapor in some ways. It's quick and it's not long enough for the plans that we always have. But we know that we live and we we're here and our days are numbered and God is in control of that. And then when we leave, we leave regardless of pandemics or not. It, there's only so much we can do. And um, we all have a date in which we transition into the next phase of life. And that phase happens to be out of the body unless the Lord comes back. And then ultimately we will be back in the body. And I believe that life in the body is a physical living okay so it requires some work i think that's if i would summarize what i believe life in the body is versus life out of the body life out of the body is obviously existence but you're not doing anything okay you've not you're not given anything to do you are just resting so we go to heaven if you will or paradise and we just rest and there's nothing to do because we're not in a body and in a realm in which there are things to do. Uh, I think the things to do in the heavenlies are to rest and there's the relationships and there's the walking down, you know, the beauties of paradise and eating of the trees. And, you know, I, I shouldn't say there's not things to do, but as far as on earth, there's there's agendas. There's there's um, it's a different system. Let's just put it that way. And so, you know, physical reality, to operate in this system, you need to have a physical body. And that is what resurrection is all about. God's going to give us uh, incorruptible bodies, which means they're not going to die. They're not going to age. They're not going to be any of those effects to it. And he's going to put us here and we will dwell here forever. So the earth is our eternal home and heaven, which I believe is just above the earth. Will again, the doorway and access point to go back and forth will again be revealed. Uh, between heaven and earth. That's just how, how I, how I kind of see it. So New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, there's the stairway, Jacob saw a ladder going to heaven. I believe that that is simple. That is what's going on. There is an access point into paradise and that will be again revealed when we have a resurrected body. So we'll have dominion here um, with Jesus as king, as Lord, and, and we will reign with him. And then we will fix this world. It's not going to be snap your finger and everything's perfect. But we will restore this world by doing it God's way. We will live it God's way. And he will keep us from destroying the planet. He will keep us from destroying each other. That is the beauty of the kingdom. So, you know, when I look forward, you know, we live in the pandemics and things that, you know, we're living in a fallen, cursed world. And this is not God's best. God's best is the kingdom of heaven. And I think that worldview is absolutely essential uh, to learn. You know, science and medicine fall woefully short because it can only comprehend what it sees. 
And what it sees and comprehends is, is from a, a fallen vantage point. So there's a lot about it that doesn't work. But there are things that do work. You know, science understands that, you know, there are elements outside of, the, you know, the control of science, but it can't understand it. So it just doesn't believe in it, really. You know, there are many people who are scientists who believe in the concept of an intelligent design. They just don't know what the intelligence is because you can't study it. And, of course, religions all talk about this. So, But I just think it's so amazing. When we think about, sorry, I was just yawning there. When we think about what we have in front of us and what the purpose is of life. You know, when I started the journey of discovery, like the first time I went to Israel, which was nine years ago, it'll be 10 years this next summer. And I couldn't have imagined the journey I would be on. I mean, 10 years isn't really that long. I mean, it is a long time, a lot changes, but still only 10 years. I was at nine years that I was there. And I look back and I'm just unbelievable where God has brought me. And I have so much more of a confidence and an unwavering faith in the plan of God than what I did. I looked at the world very much as, you know, we need to fix this world and God's going to bring revival and there's this great revival yet going to come and then God will come back. Very much kind of a swallowed up in victory kind of a eschatology. And and as, I, as the Lord has patiently endured with me and led me to seeing his uh, prophetic plan, and you know the plan of the prophets. I just basically have seen that um, you know we have we have these expectations that are wrong, and this is a prime example of why we can't use um, you can't just come from one data source in anything. You know, because I saw a couple of videos on YouTube, I now think this. Or because I saw, you know, this doctor say this, this means that. There's a narrative that goes with truth. And it's this thread. And when you get onto the right thread, all of a sudden there's a whole string of things that line up. And all of a sudden you know that you're onto the truth. And that is how it works with truth. Even when I'm researching just independent things, uh, about coronavirus, I'm never going to take one report and just say, well, that's it. You know, there was a report um, in Denmark about a study that they did, and they showed that masks had about a 0.3% difference between those did and who don't. And it was a real-world example. Well, there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't just take that at face value because, you know, people didn't do it right or this or that or, you know, whatever. But the truth of it is that people were given a real-world situation, they studied, and it's shown that it didn't make a difference to the average situation, people might be better, better educated now, so there might be a different case. It also might depend which city you're in. It might depend how many people you're around. It might all depends, a lot of variables. And so you can't just take on one thread and say, well, this is it, without understanding all the arguments around it. And such is truth. Truth is something that happens to sit in the middle, and there's all sorts of things around it that connect to it. And... Um, that is how you look at everything. You know, when we look at the Bible, you know, I heard growing up, I heard the Bible from one view. But as I grew up and matured, I see it from a bunch of different angles. And all of a sudden, I see this composite come together and I see this narrative. And now it actually makes way more sense than it did. 
things that used to be difficult for me to understand, like the end times. I used to kind of understand, well, you know, the God revealed it to the prophets, and so it's going to take revelation for us to see it. Well, it is going to take revelation, but if we would actually read the prophets and believe them, then prophecy actually becomes knowable. It's like it's not it's not, not knowable. Of course it's knowable. It's written. And the Bible actually blesses the people who read and understand what it says. So I think the bigger mess up that a lot of people do is they try to apply it to today's situation rather than just waiting for the signs. There is one sign the Bible calls out several different places that is the biggest sign, and that is the abomination of desolation. I've spoken about that before. So it gives us a clear signpost. It, you know, pandemics are not the sign of the end times. Wars in the, of themselves are not a sign of the end times. None of that means anything without what we know as the abomination of desolation, if you're going to believe Scripture, if you're going to believe what Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse. So without that event, none of this means anything. It doesn't. To say that this is the birth pains, the beginning of sorrows, it could be, but I'm telling you, you cannot start your prophetic clock and claim that we are in the end, end days or the last days until, until you see the abomination. That is the trigger. And the only reason I say this because I've heard a lot of different theories and opinions and people claiming this. I mean, World War I, they thought it was Gog, Magog. World War II, they thought it was Gog, Magog. All of these things, and then Israel became a nation, and then every little thing people saw, any little, you know, movement, six-day war, oh, this is it, this is going to be it, Jesus is coming back. And it, all of that anticipation, which there's nothing wrong with it, but the parts you can't get away from is don't shoehorn anything into modern-day context until you see that sign. We need to understand the things that are around it. We need to send the arguments. We need to send the positions, but we have to know the specific signs uh, or the single big signs, I should say, and that is very important. So anyway, that's enough for this episode. So I talked about COVID, talked about truth, talked about uh, a little bit of eschatology. should be good enough for an episode. And um, I hope you guys are blessed and take care. And until next time, shalom.